Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. the case. 
In every matter concerning wisdom and understanding that the king sought from them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and spellcasters in his entire kingdom. So Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for no authority exists except by God, and the authorities that do exist have been established by God. Therefore, the one who rebels against the authority is opposing God's institution, and those who oppose will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to evil. Would you like to have no fear of the one in authority? Do what is good, and you will receive praise from him, because he is God's servant for your benefit. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because he does not carry the sword without reason. He is God's servant, a punisher, to bring wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of conscience. For this reason, you also pay taxes, because the authorities are God's ministers who are employed to do this very thing. Pay what you owe to all of them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. The word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is our gospel for this morning, taken from Matthew chapter 22, beginning at the 15th verse. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted together how to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a truthful and teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You are not concerned about gaining anyone's approval because you are not swayed by appearances. So tell us, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their evil purpose and said, Why are you testing me, hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. They brought him a denarius. He asked them, Whose image and inscription is this? Caesar, they replied to him. Then he said to them, Therefore give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and give to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. Then they left him and went away. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, when I was studying for the ministry and, and looking forward to one day being ordained as a minister of the gospel in God's kingdom work, I can honestly say that it was not my intention to really get into the ministry to be hated. In fact, I've never met a pastor who ever thought that. In fact, I've never met a person who actually went to get any type of job with the intention, oh, oh I'll take that job because I want to get hated. Now, I understand that, that people may not like you, and yes, there can be issues with personalities and, and so forth and so on. I also know, as my mother would remind me, hey, 
look at what they did to Jesus. They didn't like him. And then I always thought to myself, but mom, they crucified him. I'm not looking to go into the ministry to get nailed to a cross. At least that's not what is on the back of my mind. So even though, yeah, maybe people might not like you because of personalities, but I've always prayed that people would at least respect me. Respect me in the sense that I worked hard to be a faithful minister and, and, and I came with kindness and compassion as I shared that truth and love, the glorious message of Jesus Christ, who is Savior of all. And now I look at Jesus. This is Tuesday of Holy Week. We have been, over the last several weeks, considering a number of his parables and the things that he's been saying on this Tuesday of Holy Week. Tuesday of, of just two days ago, he rode triumphantly into Jerusalem and people were praising him, uh, praising God and, and calling him the Son of David. In a couple days, Jesus is going to institute the Lord's Supper. That evening, he will get arrested. That very next morning, he will be brought before Pilate and Pilate at 9 o'clock in the morning will call for his execution. He will be nailed to a cross. Smack dab in the middle is Jesus preaching and teaching. The very Savior who is the Son of God. The very one who left the glories of heaven to take on human flesh. The very one who, who left, yes, the glories of heaven that was perfect and holy and without sin. In heaven there's no death, there's no end of life, and, and there's no suffering, and there's no pain. Everything is perfect. He was dearly loved even by the holy angels who would sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And our very Lord, leaving those glories of heaven, would come to earth and knowing that God knows all things, he came to earth knowing he would be hated. And yet that did not stop him. Because saving us of our sins was the most important. So when I think of Tuesday of Holy Week and all the things that Jesus said, and even some of the strong words that Jesus will have to make, especially to those who are his enemies, we have to understand that these words were given purely out of love, really out of undeserved love. Jesus has been warning the religious leaders, especially the Pharisees. He's been warning them about what they are doing and what they're doing is ungodly and wicked. They're teaching false doctrine and let alone they're burning the people's souls by hounding them with the law instead of driving them to a savior and at the heart and, and the message of that savior is called the gospel. Knowing this, now it is the Pharisees' turn to question Jesus. Jesus has been giving one parable after the next, but now they're trying to come up with some type of question that is one of those gotcha, aha type questions. One of those questions that he, no matter how he answers, he can't get out of. 
We hear this on all the time when people are questioning like politicians. They will ask it in such a way as to try to manipulate in, in order to discredit the person. And they were plotting and planning because they really want Jesus to lose favor with the people. The people were listening to him. The people were going to him. They weren't going to the religious leaders. And because of it, they were jealous to the point that they wanted him dead. And they plotted and planned his death. And now, they came up with a really good question. Or at least that's the way it looks. Notice it wasn't the leaders that came this time. Perhaps because Jesus had warned them to their face already. This time they send their disciples. So we see in a whole batch, a new batch of people, young people no doubt, in order to give justification to what they were saying. But Jesus knew their hearts. He is the Son of God. So it is not surprising when Jesus makes it very clear to them that you are hypocrites. Hypocrite is one who is an actor. Literally, the word means to wear a mask. It's actually a theatrical term, so that a person could play many different parts. They would wear a mask and no doubt change their voice. So one who's a hypocrite is one who pr pretends to be godly, one who pretends to be a believer, but his heart is far from the Lord. He's faking it. And since Jesus can read hearts, when he calls them, you hypocrites, this wasn't just name-calling. This was the truth. Their hearts were far from the Lord. What's also interesting is we're told that the Herodians joined them. Now, the Pharisees and the Herodians did not get along with each other at all. They both had different political ideas and views. And because of this, you had the Pharisees who believed that there should be a Jewish state free from Roman tyranny. And then you had the Herodians who were in favor of the family of Herod, who, by the way, collaborated with the Romans. And yet these two opposing views, these two groups that couldn't even stand each other, these two groups that were technically enemies, now are joined together as friends, all against Jesus. They found Jesus in what he was saying and what he was preaching. This gospel message, really the message of law and gospel, all this preaching was a threat to them, a threat to their political views, a threat to their authority, a threat to their power. And no one is going to threaten them. The young disciples, the Herodians, they come before Jesus and they don't just simply ask him a question. They first got to boost him up. They got to flatter him. They got to make it sound like the question that they're asked is not deceptive at all because we just got done praising you. Doesn't it drive you crazy that when people will come to compliment you and then all of a sudden comes the word but and then they tear you all apart? As if the compliment really means nothing. But what they're saying here is actually truth. They make the point and say to him here, Teacher, we know that you are a 
are truth that you are truthful and teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You are not concerned about gaining anyone's approval because you are not swayed by appearances. Right away they emphasize that he's a man of integrity, and a man of integrity holds to the truth. And he has been a man who has held to the truth. Over and over and over again, Jesus would quote the Old Testament prophecies and how they were fulfilled, especially the prophecies of the Messiah and how they were fulfilled in him. He's the man who stands on God's word while he is the Son of God. And so it is not surprising that they speak of him with such flattery and such truthfulness as calling him truth. In fact, Jesus actually took it a step further when he said to his disciples, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way because he's the only way. There's no other way to get into heaven. We cannot get to heaven by our own good works because we are sinners who have fallen short. We need a Savior who would be perfect and holy for us. And Jesus is the way because he's that very Savior. He is the truth, in fact, the absolute truth. Anything contrary to the truth would be a lie. And he's also the life. Not only one who conquered death and rose again, but also the very one who gives life. For through faith in Jesus Christ, you shall not perish, but have everlasting life. These are the words of Jesus. So yes, it is true that he is the truth. And therefore they want him to answer their question with the truth. And he will. But they also go on to point out that he is a man who is, doesn't care what other people think of him. He's not trying to impress people. He's not trying to take anyone's side. He's not coming with someone else's latest philosophies. He's holding to the Bible and speaking that truth in love. And so now setting him up like this, now comes the whopper of a question. Tell us, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? What is Jesus going to do? How is he going to get out of this one? There's just no escape. This looks like this is the end for him. He's going to lose the favor of the people. And if the people turn on him, guess who's going to take over right away? What is he going to say? What is he going to do? If he says, yes, pay taxes to Caesar, then the people would certainly rise up because the people were tired of paying taxes. They were tired of the tyranny of Rome. They wanted to be free. They're not going to follow any prophet who would say, pay your taxes. And if he says no, well, the Herodians were right there. They were going to arrest him. And we know this from the gospel reading in Luke that also gives this account. Their hope and plan was he was going to say, don't pay your taxes. They were leaning towards that way. They were expecting him to say that. And then they were going to turn him over to the governor. And when they did, they could wipe their hands clean because they were now done of the matter. Let the governor take care of him. Oh, perfect plan. At least that's what they thought. What is Jesus going to do? Oh, they were ready. 
Jesus tells them. To show a coin that's used for paying taxes, they produced a denarius, which was the Roman silver coin for a day's worth of wages. They showed him the coin, and he said, whose picture and inscription is on it? Now, many scholars will actually show, you can see pictures of the denarius coin that was probably the coin during Jesus' time. They have found them. On one side, you have, you know, the side view of, of Caesar's face. On the other side, there was actually an inscription that praised Caesar as being a god. Remember, the Romans had emperor worship, and Caesar was considered their god. So it is not surprising how Jesus answers their question. After showing the coin, he answers, Therefore, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's. If Caesar wants money, then give it to him. If he wants taxes, then pay your taxes. This is the same thing that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans. Romans was the congregation in the capital city of Rome itself. This is the center of the empire itself. Paul did not write through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, fight against the government, get even with the government, hate the government, turn against the government. Instead, he said, if you owe taxes, pay it. If you owe revenue, pay it. If you owe honor or respect, then give it. And why? Because we are to submit to the governing authorities knowing that there is no institution that God himself hasn't established. God is in control. The question always comes up, yeah, but what about all these ungodly institutions and governments that are out there? Can God use those even for a greater good because his ways are greater than ours and his ways are, dear, are better than ours? Don't underestimate what God is doing and what God is planning even during these end times. God hasn't called his believers to rise up and and to build an army, and to go against the institutions that God himself has established. Yes, these institutions need to be faithful to the Lord, and the sad truth is, there isn't one that is. What oftentimes runs our institutions is sinful human beings who desperately need a savior. So God calls for us to do what is right. But if the government ever asks us to go contrary to God and his word, then we're going to have to join the Apostle Peter and John who stood before the Pharisees after Jesus ascended back into heaven and they were told to quit going to the temple and to stop preaching about Jesus. And Peter's reply was, we must obey God rather than men. We can't stop preaching and teaching what we have seen and heard. And we can't eat but we do so serving, knowing that we are supporting our government and those that God has placed over us. Jesus said, give to God the things that are God's. And immediately I can't help but think of Jesus' words in his Sermon on the Mount when Jesus was speaking about not worrying about what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. But he said, but instead seek first his kingdom and his righteousness 
and all the other things God will give and take care of. Seek first his kingdom where Jesus rules, and yes, he rules from the glories of heaven, but he rules here on earth in our hearts by his holy word. Cling to his word. These are the words of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. These are the words of your very Savior who paid for your sins and with that payment for sins won for you everlasting life. Cling to the righteousness, that righteousness that Jesus certainly offered in, as, as also part of our payment for sins. For in order to be saved, we needed righteousness. That's the ticket to heaven. We needed to be right with God. But as sinners, again, we fell short. But Jesus' perfection, his holiness, is now credited to us through faith. And because of this righteousness, we are saved. In fact, because of this righteousness, we now live saying no to sin and live in accordance with God's holy will taking to heart his word, but motivated by the good news that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and my Savior too. Give to God what is God's. Give him the praise and glory. Take to heart his word and certainly carry out his holy command to share that word with everyone you meet. When these disciples of the Pharisees heard all this, they left and were told they left amazed. I'm not surprised by that. But what does surprise me is, why didn't the crowd turn on him? Jesus just got done saying, go pay your taxes. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. These people should have rioted against Jesus. They should have put him down. They should have destroyed him. They should have kicked him out of the temple and tell him never to come back again. But they didn't. Because Jesus did speak the truth. And therefore, keep in mind, my dear friends, that we are citizens of two kingdoms. We are citizens of this world and, and under the kingdom that is under the government here in the United States of America. We are to support our government. Oh, you may have different political views. You may find yourself, you like certain politicians and you hate the president or, invite, or you really love him and, 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 and so forth and so on. But the truth of the matter is, whether you agree with someone's politics or not, pray. Pray for our leaders. Pray that they do the right thing. Pray that they give glory to God in the decisions that they make. Pray that the Lord will continue to bless our, our nation here. And pray, especially for our president. Pray that, that all the decisions he makes, he makes to the glory of God and in accordance with his holy word. And also know that you're citizens of heaven. The day is going to come when you and I are going to be taken to the glories of heaven. And until that day comes, live as citizens of heaven. Continue to grow in his word. Continue to share that word. Continue to gather together around God's word. 
And above all, keep your eyes focused on the Savior, who is our governing authority. There is no other. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.